Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you this morning. Hello, everyone online. Great you can join us. And if you're visiting us this morning as well, you're really welcome. Hope you enjoy being with us and to any students as well. If you're new in Swansea, welcome to Swansea. I uh, hope you have a great time here and hope you find the church, whether with us or another church, there's loads of great churches in Swansea where you really feel at home and can fly when you're at uni because, you know, when you come to uni, isn't it, you come with aspirations, with hopes, with dreams. Now, I've got a big sister called Rachel, think of my first slide for me, and um, here she is. I'm very proud of my older sister. She is amazing. Uh, she lives in London now. She's a civil servant. She does amazing at her job. She works very hard, and Rachel was very aspirational from a young age. Everyone could see, you know, she's, she's really it's super smart and intelligent, and um, I think she's, you know, a lot of hopes, a lot of aspirations. And uh, when she was when she was a little girl, she uh, dreamt of being a mermaid. That was her life's goal. She wanted to be a mermaid because she loved the Little Mermaid. And um, one day, when my mum was putting Rachel to bed, maybe I don't know, age five or six or something, Rachel comes out with this line and she says, "Mum, God doesn't answer prayers, does he?" And my mum's like, "Oh." What makes you say that, Rachel? He says, well, every night before I go to bed, I pray that God would make me a mermaid. And every morning when I wake up, I pull back the covers, and I look down, and I've still got legs. So I say, oh, Rachel, you know, if God answered that prayer, then, you know, and you didn't have any legs, but then you won't be able to go to school, and you'd have to go and live in the sea, and we won't be able to see you. So she explained around. So, but then, <laughs> around the same time, um, my parents used to do this. I don't know if you could still do it anymore. I'll find out probably in, in a couple of years or whatever. Whenever it was um, a rainy day, as it often is, they would take us down to the early learning centre. I don't know if that still exists, but Smith's Toy Store, probably these days. And uh, back then you could play with the toys. And uh, so we'd go down, we'd play with the toys. It was like a free day out. And Rachel used to apparently love playing with this children's ironing board. And then, so that would, you know, she loved that. And then one day, uh, in the house or driving home from the early learning centre, Richard's like, you know, Mummy, I'd, I'd really like to have an ironing board. Can I have, a, you know, an ironing board? And it was at the time when my parents had, you know, planted the church and they were pioneering and it was, you know, small and um, they'd, they were both doing that full time and weren't really earning very much. So, you know, there wasn't kind of money to just go and buy toys like this. And so my mum said, oh, you know, sorry, Rachel, you know, we, we can't buy, you know, can't buy the ironing board, but you can play with it when you're in the shop or whatever. And then later on, maybe going to bed or something, Rachel again prays, and she prays something like, dear Jesus, please let me have my own ironing board. And my mum's like, oh, no, sorry, I tell you what. But then, amazingly, my mum didn't tell anyone about this, within a couple of days, a letter came through the door addressed to Rachel, and, um, you know, a friend who lives somewhere down in, in England, isn't it, the south of England, hadn't seen them for ages. She wrote Rachel a little letter and put a cheque in it, and the cheque was the exact amount that the ironing board cost. And they wanted, you know, so Rachel could go get herself something. And so they went down, and Rachel managed to have her ironing board, and her little prayer was answered. Isn't that lovely? Now, that's a funny example. But for us, you know, we know how God is a God of relationship. And God loves you. And God reaches into our lives in real ways. He knows what's going on in our lives. And with all the uncertainty in the nation and our world right now, we can be sure that God is faithful. That God hears us. 
He knows us. He cares about us. Our lives are important to him, the big things and the small things. And he has a purpose for our lives. He has a calling on our lives to partner with him, with his desire to bring his goodness and his love into the world that people may know and experience it for themselves, just as we have done. And so we can hear these words for ourselves this morning. They're repeated throughout the Bible in all kinds of, to all kinds of people in all kinds of different situations. But God says this, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And this morning, we're in between series. We're going to be starting a new series soon. So I wanted to take the moment this morning uh, to look at a famous moment in Jesus' life where he um, encounters some people in an ordinary, everyday situation, an everyday occasion. And this can encourage us in our walk with Jesus that we can pray about all kinds of things, all kinds of prayers, and the way that God calls us to partner with him. So we're going to have a little look at the wedding at Cana. And this happened right at the start of Jesus' ministry. And he had just called a few disciples and a few people to follow him. This was right after he met Philip and Nathaniel, which we looked at a few weeks ago in our eyewitness series. Nathaniel was from Cana. And so this is what it says. It's in John chapter 2. Here we go. It says this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. So the first thing that we see here is that Jesus' mother, Mary, is introduced first in the story. So she's introduced in reference to Jesus, but she is mentioned first. Jesus' mother was there. This is like the first person we know that's at the wedding. And so this tells us that this account and this story is about her too. This is Mary's story just as much as it is Jesus's and everyone else who was there. And possibly she was helping out at the wedding and a problem comes up. They run out of wine and she goes straight to Jesus. She's proactive. And so for us as well in our lives, let's be proactive. Let's go straight to Jesus. We, are, we have permission to come to him. And number one, we have access to Jesus. We can actively approach Jesus. And I love how Mary asks. She says it in a classic mum language kind of way. They have no more wine. You know when a mum gives a statement or an observation, and we all know that it's not just an observation being made. It can go alongside things like, it's the bins tonight, or the lounge needs hoovering. Now, you, you would never go, yes, it does. I've also noticed that. No, we all know that's not enough. Jesus needs no interpretation of a mum's language. And we see this from his Now, Jesus gives a strange answer, though. I'm not sure how this would go down in my house. Woman, <laughs> what concern is that to you and me? <laughs> My hour has not yet come. So, for the youth in the room today, okay, next time you're at home, and, you know, your mum or whoever you live with is like, your room's looking a bit messy, just say, follow Jesus' example. Woman, my hour has not yet come. No, I'm joking, don't do that. No, now, when we read this, it's like, this is a bit strange. It sounds a bit harsh as well. And sometimes, when we read the Bible... Because obviously it was written in a different language and in a different context and a different culture, sometimes there's that like, culture gap 
And you can say, oh, that sounds a bit strange, or that sounds a bit harsh. But when we look into it and we look at what actually is going on, usually we find out, oh, there's more that's going on, and, um, and we can understand it. So this was just an expression. This was just an ordinary expression. If you changed it to, like, mum, what concern is that to you and me? You know, it wouldn't sound so harsh. So this is just an ordinary way of speaking back then. In fact, later in Jesus' life, when he's hanging on the cross and he looks down and he sees his mother there standing next to John and a few of the other women disciples who were there, most of the men had run away afraid, but those were the few who were standing at the cross. And in a moment of care and tenderness, even as he's dying on the cross, he spots his mum there and he wants her to be taken care of. He says to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And so we see the same language here in a moment of you know, care and tenderness and love. So, you know, Jesus wasn't being like a strophy teenager answering his mum back uh, at the wedding. And then secondly, he says, my hour has not yet come. There's different ways that you could read this, but Jesus knew that his miracles were going to attract attention. And there was a whole whirlwind that, you know, that went around, isn't it, once Jesus' ministry kicked off. And ultimately, this led to his crucifixion. The attention that it brought and the things that Jesus said alongside, it led to his crucifixion, which Jesus describes as his hour. Other times, he did that, when he says, this is my hour, he's talking about his crucifixion. So we get an insight here that this was more, for Jesus, this was more, this meant more than just helping someone in the moment. This was like the beginning of his public ministry, which was going to change everything forever. And so it's amazing that Jesus was willing to step in and to help in a very everyday, ordinary situation where, yes, it was really embarrassing for the bride and groom that they'd run out of wine. That would be really socially embarrassing. But in the grand scheme of the world, but Jesus was willing to step in to this situation with all that it would mean for him personally and what he was about to kickstart. So it would be a mistake to read this and think that Jesus was being reluctant because, if anything, it shows us actually how willing Jesus is that he would step in in this way. And so for us, we have access. We can approach Jesus. We don't have to hold back. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And Mary knows this as well. So she says to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Then it says this, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. So this brings us to the second thing here. We see that there's a process in this. So imagine if you were one of the servants. These jars, or six of them, filled to the brim would be around or could be as much as 180 gallons of water. So that's like filling up a hot tub or I got one here? No, 16 kegs of, you know, liquid. Uh, that's a lot of water, isn't it? And remember, they wouldn't have a tap or a hose pipe. It's not they had a hose pipe van, they just didn't have them. And uh, so where would they get this water from? Would they have to go down to the well? Would they have to go to the stream? You know, we have to go to the, I don't know, a lake nearby. You know when you're camping and there's like a tap just the other side of the field and you run and you're, oh, such a trek just to go over there to get water. Well, imagine how long it must have taken these guys or girls, the servants, trekking back and forth to fill up all these things with water. It would have taken a long time. Now, when we read it, it sounds like it all happened at once. 
And often when we read the Bible, especially when you read the stories of Jesus' life or the book of Acts, it seems like it all happens in a week, but actually it happens over a period and a process of time. So let's be encouraged in our walk with Jesus to be faithful and to keep going over time, over the days, over the weeks, over the years. When we hear Jesus' words and we put them into practice, empowered and partnering with the Holy Spirit, over time, we will see that bear fruit in our lives. I think of Emma, who was a student, this isn't actually here, this is a stock photo. (laughs) I think of Emma, who was a student here, and uh, it was when I was in, like, a kind of late teen, and we were in the same small group, and she was here as a student, and she'd arrived, and she'd arrived into halls, she was the only Christian in her halls, uh, or in a particular flat, and her flatmates, you know, really tested her on her faith and how she was going to live and, you know, they, had a, you know, they were all friends, but what did they say? They, they, set, they called it their mission to crack a Christian, is what they called, and they really wanted to see how far they could push Emma before she would crack, you know, and I remember, you know, we'd be chatting about her in a small group and we'd be praying for Emma and we'd be, you know, encouraging her just to keep going and to be faithful and to love their housemates and, you know, they were great friends as well, don't get me wrong, we know how the banter can be and that kind of thing. And Emma stuck with it, and after the year, they all went home, and then they came back, and they moved into a house together, and their flatmates started up again, and whenever Emma continued to be faithful, one of the flatmates, who was Laura, she thought, there's something to this girl, what she has is real, and I want this for myself. And as we know, Laura, Laura Bates, now Laura Augustine, she went on to do Alpha with us, become a Christian, amazing part of the church, and that was her story. So, let's be encouraged to be faithful over time. Paul says this, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And it encourages us in our prayer life as well to keep on praying, not to lose heart in things that we're praying for. Sometimes we're praying, could be for a family member, could be for a friend, could be a situation, could be for a health need. And we're praying and we haven't yet seen that answer. We haven't yet seen it come through. Let me encourage you not to give up, but to keep on praying. Because his persistent prayer is powerful. And in fact, we should expect to persist. Jesus once said to his disciples, it says this, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And we've seen many answers to prayer as we've prayed over time. So let me encourage you to keep going and to keep praying. And so these servants, they filled up the jars, I'm sure as quickly as they could, but however long that took. But as you'd be doing it, you'd be thinking to yourself, wouldn't you? What good is this going to do? What, you know, I'm trekking back and forth to the lake or the well, getting water. Are we going to serve the guests water? Like, what is, you know, this is useless. You'd be thinking this is a fool's errand. And then Jesus takes it up a notch and it says this. Then Jesus says, now, so they filled them up. Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Now imagine if this was you. Imagine if you're a servant, but this is your job. And Jesus tells you, take this water, and in front of everyone at the wedding, give it to the master of ceremonies. You'd be thinking, I'm about to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job here. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be sitting, what is this man on about? This is number three, trust. Trust. There is a lot of room for embarrassment here. But then we see this next. The master of ceremonies tasted the water, which had now become wine. He didn't know where it had come from, but the servants did. So we see here how the servants 
have a key role in, the, in this miracle. They have a key part to play. Jesus involves them. He partners with them to do something amazing. And maybe this miracle wouldn't have taken place if the servants hadn't been willing to get involved, to fill up the jars, to take it out, to put it into practice. And that's the same for us. Jesus partners with us. He wants to partner with us to bring his purpose, his plans, his love, his grace, his healing into our world, to our friends, to our family, to our university, to our school, to our workplace, to our city, to our nation, to the world and beyond. And he partners with us. And so for us, as we follow Jesus and as we pray, sometimes we can have the opportunity to step out and to do something which requires us to exercise faith to put trust in Jesus, and like the servants, we might feel that it could be a little bit embarrassing, risky, make us feel self-conscious, but it's worth it. And you know, for us as a church, we've prayed over many, isn't we, that we want to be a church that's accessible to people who've never been to church before and people who don't know Jesus. So we want to be a church that reaches into our community with the love of Jesus, that makes Jesus known, and we all have a part to play in that, and we all have to step out sometimes and take these risks, but it's worth it when we share our faith with a friend. And let me encourage any new students here, you know, you're going to meet everyone new, let me encourage you to own your faith. You know, own your faith from day one, that this is who you are at uni, you've got a great chance to kind of just to, to be yourself, you know, nobody knows you from before, you can be your own person, Make your own tracks, do you know what I mean? No one's checking up on you. Own your faith. Own what you believe. Own who Jesus is to you and live it out and you will really fly. So go for it from day one. Maybe sometimes we make a stand, you know, in a moment of integrity. I remember Naomi, who's just gone off to uni when she started sixth form and she was doing English, language, literature, and uh, there was, or maybe even drama too. But anyway, sorry Naomi. Forgive me for getting the details wrong. But they were going to be doing a book where they were going to have to be like acting it out. It was going to be really involved. And the teacher had picked something that was like really dark and unpleasant. And Naomi had the courage to go and speak to the teacher and say, I don't really want to um, be having to kind of immerse myself like, you know, in this over the term. And the teacher actually went and, and thought about it again and changed the book for the class. Isn't that amazing? So real courage, Naomi. Well done. Um, Sometimes it's stepping out to ask for help. Maybe we've been struggling for something and it's having a negative effect on our, our lives. And we're going to be that, take that brave step to say, you know, I need someone to get alongside me and I'm going to speak to my small group leader, I'm going to speak to a friend and I'm going to share what's going on. Stepping out in that kind of way. Another way, offering to pray when we recognise a need in someone's life. And we can say, let me pray for you. Or someone complains to us about something that's, you know, going on in their body. Maybe they're unwell, maybe they've got an injury. They'll be off to it. Lots of people in our church, you know, we pray for people all the time. Can I pray for you? I love how Holly probably shared his stories over the summer um, that when she was in the gym. Recently joined uh, a gym. Holly leads, uh, youth, uh, sorry, who leads Alpha on the Thursday with Karis. She joined a new gym in the summer. When she's in there, a guy walks in yelping and complaining about his finger, turns out he's just jammed it in the door and he's done some serious damage. And Holly goes straight over and says, can I pray for you? And prays for him. While she's praying for this guy, um, another guy walks in, he's like, what's going on here then? And the, the guy says, oh, 
this Holly here, she's praying for my finger, and she said, oh, can you pray for me? I've got a bad back. Holly prays for the finger, prays for the back. They're both able to do their workouts. Well done, Holly. So in these moments of setting out, take a risk, exercise faith, put Jesus' words into practice. And as we do that, we make room for Jesus to move and reach into people's lives. Okay, next one, number four. Free. We can come to Jesus for free. <laughs> Let's see this next bit. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and says this. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. The famous line of the story. But what I love about this is the bridegroom gets all the credit for Jesus' miracle. Now, it was the bridegroom's job, apparently, in weddings today, to sort out the wine. He had one job, this bridegroom, one job. Well, maybe, I can say the rings. Remember the rings? Maybe had, we'll say we had two, right? We'll give him a bit of grace. He had two jobs. Remember the rings? That's fine. We don't hear anything about the rings. And bring and sort out the wine. And he didn't do it. The wine ran out. It's his fault. But Jesus doesn't say and stand up, well, you should have brought more wine, or you should have saved up for longer, or I knew you were going to need more than this. Jesus, he does a miracle, and he doesn't even take the glory. Sometimes we might make a mistake. We find ourselves in a difficult situation of our own doing, and we can be reluctant to ask God for help, because we think, oh, well, it's my fault that I'm in this place in the first place. And, you know, I can't ask God to bail me out. But here we see that we don't have to feel like that. Our mistakes are not a barrier to prayer. Our mistakes are not a barrier to God. When we turn to God and we recognize our need for him and we ask, he is willing. In James 5, it says this, If anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. And, of course, sometimes, you know, we still have to face up to the consequences of whatever we're doing and and follow that through, but we can ask God for his help and for his rescue. So let's not hold back from asking God. I think at the time when Chloe and Russo were down in town and, you know, we'd be meeting with people and sharing faith and they were chatting with this uh, young, you know, early 20s, a girl, they met her on crutches and they were sharing with her how God loves her. (laughs) You're all looking at the picture now. (laughs) How did that horse get in there? I think, it's, I think it illustrates the point well, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, and that cow folks are bombing. I love this picture. Anyway, right, focus on me now, okay? I've got an important story to tell you. Are you with me? <laughs> so, Chloe and Rousseau, you may have heard this one before. They bump into this girl in town. They're sharing with her how God loves her, has a plan for her life, how she's important. She says, no, I, I don't think God could love me. I don't think that's for me because... And then she began to share her story. How she, the reason she was on crutches was she'd been a drug user. She'd just come out of rehab but she had been injecting, you know, in her legs. It caused veins to collapse. You know, she couldn't walk without pain. She couldn't walk without crutches. And so she felt that, you know, obviously God's love and his plan for my life, obviously I'm, I've, like, um, excluded myself from that now. Do you know what I mean? And Chloe and Russo said, well, you know, that's not true, and can we pray for you? And they prayed for her, and after praying for her, all the pain went. She began to cry. She could walk freely. And then Chloe and Russo explained how that's just a sign of Jesus' love for you. And that's why Jesus came into the world. And that's why he gave his life for us on the cross, where he died for all the things that any of us have done wrong, whatever we'll do, and for anything that will get in the way from us, knowing God in our lives. Because God doesn't want anything to get in the way. 
And Jesus came back to life again, defeating death, defeating sin. He's alive now, and he's alive in heaven. And when we turn to him in our lives and welcome him to our lives, he becomes our friend forever. He forgives us for the things that we've done wrong. He gives us a fresh start. We can know his love and his purpose and his strength in our lives today. We can have a promise of eternal life. That death isn't the end, but we have a hope of a future with God in his presence forever. And it's amazing. And they shared that with her and they offered to pray. And she wanted to, she prayed to accept Jesus for herself. And that's something any one of us can do. So let's not hold back. Let's go with God. Number five, that brings us to the last one, which we see here, how Jesus is personal. It says this, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. And so John, who's recording this, he says that this is the occasion when Jesus revealed his glory. The first time. And one of the reasons that Jesus wrote his gospel was to show how Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so isn't it amazing that how Jesus chooses to reveal his glory in an ordinary occasion, helping out a bridegroom, and then spending time with loved ones, his brothers, his mum, his friends. Jesus is personal. He's relational. He's a friend. He cares about you. He sees you. You're important to him. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And we can be encouraged to walk with Jesus, to approach him in prayer, and to partner with him for the things he wants to do in our lives. Philippians 4 says this as we close. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray? Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. That we have access to you. That you have made yourself available to us and you walk with us. I thank you that we can bring our lives to you in prayer. From the big things to the small things that are important to you. And I thank you that you have a purpose in our lives. And that you have rescued this world. And there is a hope for our future that is even beyond the trials and the struggles and the challenges of day to day. That at the end of the day, we'll all be okay because of what you have done for us on the cross and that you are alive. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come and fill us again now with your peace? That as we walk with you, we would know the assurance of your presence. We would know you as the foundation of our lives. And finally, you're just carrying that anxiety now, those heavy burdens. So I pray, would you come with your strength? to walk us through this season. And if you're here today or if you're joining, on in, on, joining in online and you think, you know, I don't know if I have said yes to a relationship and a friendship with Jesus. I don't know if I know Jesus in that way in my life. Then that's something that you can begin right now by just praying a simple prayer with me like this, saying, Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me on the cross that you're alive and I welcome you into my life
Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. And help me to live for you. I want to follow you. Amen.